Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB in the Rugby Dungeon with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And he has landed on the decks of the Spirit of Cocker. <laughs> Tim Cocker, how are you? Very well. Apologies, I couldn't make the, the first podcast. But there you go. When, when you're a... When you're a broadcasting uh, empire that has multiple podcasts every weekend, 52 weeks of the year for nearly 10 years, th- this will happen from time to time. Yeah, well, you're not only um, yeah, not only that, you're a broadcasting icon, Tim. You sort of do yourself down there. Well, you know, you know. I imagine on the on the other um, episode you've already recorded, which I will listen to, like like everybody else that follows and listens and supports, and thank you for that. I- I'm imagining that that in some way talking about the high tackle law meeting uh, phil you were basically like antoine dupont holding back mac hansen going for the try line was that was that what it was like uh it felt a little bit like it at times there was some pretty strong feeling although from both sides i think there was some strong feeling mm, i agree there's a lot, a lot of nodding a lot, a lot of nodding, a lot, of, uh, which comes across very well. Aggressively agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> we did, we did an hour and twenty minutes of podcasting that you would never, ever let us do if you were here. <laughs> Great, and, and that was that was the best I could do as my Anton Dupont to Pont <laughs> to hold him back. <laughs> JB would have gone on for five hours if I'd not restrained him. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get on to Marlow. <laughs> well, do you know what the, the most recent um, person that signed up? Uh, as a, a, a patron, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash eggchasers, uh, Michele said, simply as his caption, as he signed up, and I think he even signed up for more than the minimum amount voluntarily. And he oh, said, what a legend. He said, thank you for continuing to talk about the high tackle law change. Mm. Yeah, everyone else has forgotten about it. Yeah. We, we will we'll not forget about it. And if you want to want to hear everything that happened in the Lancashire council meeting why would you not listen to that other pod we go we go deep into into one, I, I, one genuinely genuinely i can't wait yeah it was um it was a very interesting meeting i've got to say um and then the thing you love most is um irrelevant chat about uh adm counties level seven Lang- uh, Lang- <laughs> oh Lang- good Cheshire. you did cover that off fine so this this podcast is is just going to be about elite 
level rugby, the stuff you're less interested in, but you will humour me and Phil. Sadly, for the next little bit. sadly, we'll have to go through this. <laughs> elite and the elite of the elite with the best two teams in the world, according to the world rugby rankings, playing on Saturday afternoon. Yep. Would you agree? Uh, let's kick off with this then. Would you agree that was an instant classic game and when Klaus Schwab next decides (laughs) that that we have to be shut in our house and no one can play rugby, that will be a game that we get back out again and and relive. Well, certainly the first half was mesmeric. It's The the two halves... So, the first half is an all-time classic half. I actually think the second half is just as classic for, for very different reasons. But the first half was unbelievable. Just so watchable. And two teams two teams going head to head as the best two teams in the world with no fear of anything. No. Just happy to play exactly what was in front of them at all times and run anything from anywhere, it seemed, from both sides. And you've got to say, I think two of the most classic tries. Certainly that maybe maybe two of the best tries in the last decade. Well the so the Pinot try oh, stop is, it. is amazing. That's wow. That is pushing the um, Van der Merwe try. Uh, so Van der Merwe, in any ordinary year, would just be instant try the tournament. Yeah. But I think that Pinot try is really pushing, just because of the sheer number of hands it went through. I also like the Finley Beelham try. I know it wasn't his try, but you but know which I'm referring Hugo to. Hugo Keenan. Because yeah, it's yeah. just so unusual. Yeah. And it's so well put. I mean, you see movements like this, don't you, from like set piece. You don't see it from open play. And the, the James Lowe try, although... I think he made a meal of the finish. Yes. And I'm not actually sure he scored it because his yes. foot was in touch. But <laughs> that was, that was, um, it was a finish. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree with that. Yeah, there are some highlights in this which will live forever. The DuPont Mac Hansen scramble. Oh, that is so, me- so yeah. memeable as well. And Mac, there's obviously two halves to that equation. DuPont is as strong as a bull. He he must be the strongest man pound for pound in world rugby. He's unbelievably strong. Um, but Mac Hansen, I, and I've got this little downer on Mac Hansen because he's kept out the obvious, obvious island winger, Robbie Balakoon, mm. um, who is ten times the player that Mac Hansen is. But this was just one <laughs> of many examples of why Robbie Balakoon should be wearing uh, an island shirt. Yeah, interesting on that one. Um, I like Mac Hansen because he's busy. Always busy. He is, he is busy. He has a function. And, and, and to be clear, Balakoon's only not in because he's injured at the moment, right? Y- yes, but when he was fit and when Balakoon was playing, when he was the best winger in Europe for a period last year, when he was fit and firing and scoring tries for fun, Mac Hansen got in ahead of him then as well. Do you know? I think uh, I for go... anyone un- for anyone uninitiated, it's important to point out that Phil is a, a, a proud Ulsterman, very proud his, uh, rugby following. So uh, yeah, clearly. Um, just on Antoine Dupont, I think it's important to make this point. It sounds obvious, but it, it's important to recognise what you have when you got it. And we are living in a time of one of the greatest rugby players ever. Yes. He's good. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. <laughs> I, I, He's good. I imagine that on a Dupont poster. Yeah. Quote, He's good. Really <laughs> me, egg chasers. C'est bon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Wayne Barnes. <laughs> I think it's Bon is it's good, is it? I've got no idea. Anyway, um, Ile good. He is Who knows? Il Bon. Il, sorry, Ile Bon. Yeah, 
Il Bon. Well, he anyway, is he is very, very, he is very good. Very, very good. Um, I don't think this French team was actually that good, though. Or rather, they were made to look average across the course of the game. Well, I've not seen the second half, so you need to tell so, me the second half. But I thought the first half, um, it was it was a compelling contest. I thought France really played into Ireland's hands the way they went about their business. Now, occasionally it worked. Most of the time it didn't. They looked scrappy. They looked in it inefficient with what they did and a little bit more uh, than a little careless well first half was three tries to one to Ireland second half was one try um, to to nil to Ireland but but the story of the second half and, and Tim you might have a slightly different take on this than me but the story of the second half was Ireland just shut France down France's almost their whole second half was one snap drop goal and they yeah. did they did almost nothing else because they couldn't get out of their half they couldn't clear their lines effectively because Ireland was so dominant at the um, collision and just so astute at their kicking and their kicking was box kicks grubber kicks crossfield kicks kicks for the corners when, when Ross Byrne came on he, I thought he was excellent at just controlling the game and forcing France to play out and France weren't very good at playing out. Yeah, I, I just love to pick up on a few things you've said there, Phil. First of all, I completely agree with the collision stuff. I think it felt like Sean Edwards got outcoached, actually, in terms of just aggressive defence. Line speed. Lin speed. Lin speed. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. The other thing as well is that kicking game. And, you know, analysts spend a lot of time trying to describe to you what has happened in the game. Um, mostly, mostly unsuccessfully. I think BT Sport or ITV or BBC or somebody should do a whole segment on the kicking game and how it is developing because you know it's so much more vastly effective now than anything else. And what I love about rugby is every time you close down an avenue, they'll find something else. It's like you know water, you know, water find, find, finds its way. And in the moment, we are going through this evolution of teams kicking, but it's not the kicking game that your granddad grew up with. You know, there are so much, so much variety to it, so much strategy to it, and you know, if you don't appreciate it, uh, I think you're letting yourself down somewhat. If you all say, if you're just criticising teams, for, oh, they just kick it away, they're boring. You're misunderstanding what is happening in front of you. It's amazing. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on that when it comes to England. But just to add to what what Phil said about the second half, he's, he's absolutely right in what he said that they shut France down. I think there was two reasons for that. One, they were absolutely gassed from the first half. That you is could a just very see good it point. on. Gregory Aldrich's face at 50 minutes when he went off, he looked like shell-shocked. And, uh, yeah, and, and when Antonio and uh, Cyril Bai just sort of staggered off on about 55 minutes, he was just like, oh, my God, these, these guys are absolutely out on their feet already. And then um, I, I think the story of the second half for Ireland, maybe the story of the game overall, is that no Robbie Henshaw, Johnny Sexton off after 50 minutes, no Dan Sheehan. Um, I'm missing some other Ty, players as well. Ty Furlong. No Ty Furlong, Ty thank you. Burn. And then and then Ty Byrne goes off during the game. And you have guys coming in that were had question marks next to their name that looked at home at that level. Finley Bealan being an example, Phil's already mentioned. Mm. You have guys coming up guys coming off the bench, third or fourth choice in some positions, Casey, um at, at Scrum Half, for example. And they made a massive impact. And whilst Ireland have, have 
the bedrock of their team have been these slightly older guys in their, you know, in their thirties, Burn, Furlong, Sexton. Actually, the superstars of this island team now are Hugo Keenan, Kaylin Doris, Gary Ringrose. They are outstanding. Mm, yeah, I those, did like Kaylin Doris's performance today. Those, yesterday, those three players were the best players on the pitch, alongside um, alongside Dupont, who was incredible in a losing team. But Tim, on that point of um, France being gassed, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I actually saw uh, the ball in playtime. I don't know if you've seen this, Tim was apparently f- over 46 minutes of ball in playtime, which you'll often get um, rugby games in the low 30s. So <laughs> significantly well, more ball in playtime. I, I, think I'm right, I think I'm right in saying as well, um, and this echoes the point, sorry, JB. Um, no, it's, just, it's just backing up what Phil said. I, I believe there were only five scrums. Really? That's just, I've got the, uh, that's it. There was, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, Ireland won four from four and France won one from one. So that's that that also indicates the skill set because you're not dropping balls when you're playing mm. with that intensity. Although and that pace. I didn't notice a few knock ons which weren't given, to be fair. Because it was just flowing well, so nicely. Wayne Barnes that's, was a let little the boys bit play. Liberal. Let the boys play. Yeah. But Barnes is so Barnes definitely contributed to that ball in playtime and just the overall feel, particularly that first half of being an amazing spectacle. And I wouldn't change it. I'd still rather have Barnes uh, watching, but I think uh, sorry, refins with me watching, particularly as a neutral. Um, but uh, I think he got the two big calls wrong. Yeah. Um, the Uini Antonio um, shot on Robbie Herring, and the James Lowe try, both of which I think he got wrong. Yeah. Well, really. in the case of the James Lowe try, he gave on-field decision try, and there was on the footage he saw there was nothing conclusive to overturn the decision. That there was another camera angle which only came to light apparently after the conversion had been taken, which, <laughs> which, uh, and again, France maybe they just had what's coming to them with the French TV directors in the past, but. Um, but all I all I would say on that is like Wayne Barnes is in a, and it added to a brilliant game. So I'm quite happy that it was one decision apiece, and Wayne Barnes was like, "Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go." There are times, however, when just taking a minute and getting the right to call is all right. Speed them up when it's scrums yes. and lineouts. Speed them up on other times. If it's a big call, imagine this is in nine months' time in a World Cup quarter final, semi final, just. Take thirty seconds. Make sure every camera angle has been seen and and, and get the right call. So it's such a shame for it to happen to the French show. Uh, <laughs> I know there is a bit of irony there. Um, I I did think even with the camera angles that were available, it, to me it was conclusive that um, James Lowe foot did touch the floor, even from the angles that were available. But I'll give I'll give Wayne Barnes the benefit of the doubt. Although it did, you, you just mentioned in uh, World Cup quarter semis Tim it reminded me of the Mark Cueto um, no try in 2007 it was yeah. a, it was a very similar scenario it was very similar yes and it's it's worth saying again um, and we, we, I'm sure we've all been we've, I think most people have been operating under the assumption that South Africa and Ireland are going to come out of their pool but obviously Scotland are in it as well um, so that's not a foregone conclusion, but it's worth just re-emphasising again. On the one half of the pool, on the one half of the World Cup draw, you have got South Africa, New Zealand, France, 
Ireland and also Scotland, I will mention there. Um, and yeah, th- this game that we saw could be a quarterfinal. It could be a semifinal. Neither of those teams could make it to a World Cup final. I mean, I guess that does just highlight the um, injustice that can potentially um, occur when you pick the pools four years out from the World Cup, I think it is. It's, they picked basically the, the previous World Cup, aren't they? Because, well, Scotland, as we've seen, are certainly a better team at the moment than England and Wales, um, and yet they were ranked lower when the draw was done. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it as, cause, uh, because I'm an England fan, but, <laughs> but it's a, it's an absolute farce, it and is. that needs to change. It is a bit ridiculous, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this game, though. So t- the top two, and I, th- I think... I think this was a bit of a... In the end, it was a bit of a beatdown by Ireland. They got four tries to one. They got five points to nil in terms of league points. And France, other than the the chaos that happened in the first half, they hardly fired a shot, particularly in the second half. And and what was ultimately the match-winning try and the bonus point-winning try, the Gary Ringrose try from an amazing... Um, carry and then offload by Kalen Doris was just superb and for him to leave three French defenders on the floor when he broke down the left wing two of whom were um, replacements so it should have been relatively fresh just showed how superior the island um, conditioning and cohesion were for them to be in that position mm, I, yeah I can't disagree with that but probably Bad news for uh, bad news for Leinster though. I, I think this is the this is the um, result where they put all their effort into it, and now Leinster will not win the European Cup. <laughs> you saying they're not going to win it all season though? So no, sorry, actually I've got this the wrong way around. No, what I meant to say is um, I'm waiting for the inevitable. Well, not inevitable. If Ireland lose badly and they have to learn lessons from that then Leinster will win the European Cup. Because they carry on winning, they've not had that lesson yet. They will, they, it, it will come. It will come. One day. Absolutely loved the game. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. And there was there was a lot of people, um, I saw quite a lot of comments of, there's obviously a lot of interest in Ireland in, in this team. And there was a load of traditional football fans. Or so I, th- I, think, I, I think in terms of participation, rugby's, the fourth most popular sport in Ireland. So there are a lot of people whose first sport isn't rugby who were watching that. And, and as you can imagine, they were, th- they were thinking this is, this Pretty is incredible. Good. Yeah. Mm. What a game to watch if you're a non rugby uh, fan. Which is just great that England, England, you know, we kept up that, uh, that say, Oh no, 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 we didn't <laughs> um, just, 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 just one point on the, on the way Ireland play and, and France to an extent. Um, and I think Scotland do this as well. Have you noticed? I think we're. You talked about the kicking game, and this, that's mm. part of it. But I think we're we're going through an era where it used to be phase, 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 batter, beat down the door and score. And I think Wales are trying to play like that, and I think England are trying to play like that. But the teams that are having most success are the ones that are, as you said at the very start, Phil, just going and actually not trying to play phases. And and something to add to that, I think Ireland did it. A little bit, um, Scotland did it incredibly well. And we, we've seen New Zealand do it for years. And even South Africa did it a lot to good effect in the autumn. The crossfield kick or the kick pass, that's when it's used 
uh, to good effect. And when you can narrow off the defence by setting up to go go narrow, go hard, and then you've got the option for the crossfield kick, it can be absolutely devastating. And that, that's a real key component. But obviously, it's not just that. And Ireland didn't just use that, and they didn't just use the box kick, and they didn't just use the grubber kick, England. Um, and they didn't just use the cr- crossfield kick. They used it all together in um, an incredibly effective package. Mm. Would you like to talk about a team which wasn't incredibly effective? Um, oh, just, just a couple of quick emails before we go, uh, go on, actually. Now, uh, are there Stevens. any of the emails which you've been hiding which say, I agree with JB to start with? <laughs> they don't seem to make it. I don't believe there are any. <laughs> uh, contact deadchasers at gmail.com. Matt Stevens just says, am I the only one absolutely convinced James Lowe's foot touched the ground before grounding? Uh, Matt no, Stevens, the um, South African prop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got. Um, it definitely did uh, touch. It definitely touched the ground before, and I'm, I, I'm certain those other angles were conclusive enough for me to not give the try. Yeah. So you're not alone, Matt. Uh, Wiggy, uh, contactedtaters at gmail dot com. Do you think Wayne Barnes bottled the red card because he'd already said uh, in play that he thought the tackle was okay? I, I don't know how he came to it, but yeah, it should have been a red. Uh, and. And when the the shadow of a boot and grass touch, doesn't that mean the foot is in touch? Yeah, you're probably right there. And he says, <laughs> and why wasn't a forward pass checked before Ireland's first try? Well, do you no, know No, that Just... one, that, I agree with all the rest of the points, but that one, let the boys play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure on the red card, actually. So, I actually think this is um, an angles thing as well. There's The angles that were shown in the game for Wayne Barnes, I'm probably it probably still it probably just on red but I was okay with the yellow I've seen an angle since from kind of behind uh herring's shoulder where it is clear that it is shoulder to head with force mm. well what I mean by that is I'm surprised that he didn't red card him and then mitigate down but he went yellow card because the hand there was no force, or the force did not go through the head. Yeah, I've not heard that. It, not heard, not heard that description before. I Mind th- you, if he says red card, there's nothing to mitigate. There's, there's no there? mitigation. There's no mitigation because there's no there's no bend. There's yeah. no sudden dip in height. The thing is about the concussion debate, right? Is <laughs> don't make this don't make this into a concussion yeah, debate. No, 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 no. But, there. but there is an important point here, which is the the concussions and the head injuries and the dementia are not caused by these hits. Because they're so infrequent. They're caused by the multiple, multiple subconcussive impacts a player gets throughout the course of his career, not just one or two marginal headshots. The reason this is so controversial is because it allows people to say, you're not taking concussion seriously. I don't think, I think this is a borderline one where it's a penalty or a yellow card. I think that's broadly speaking right. I don't think it makes the game safer making it into a red card. So I, I would. I just say I don't think I've seen the evidence either way that it's the multiple subconcussive hits or the individual um, headshots. Yes, I, I, I was just going to say a... you, should, you, should, you open yourself up to uh, just have someone with a contrary opinion if you make a definitive statement like the reason is this, not this. Um, we don't know. No, I think we do know actually. Like, I, I think I think we've got loads of evidence from like the armed forces. We've got loads of uh, evidence from. Uh, people who are suffering you know, con- 
lots and lots of small t- t- TBIs from the world away world away from rugby. I, I do think it's fairly conclusive to say that these small incidences are what are causing the pros to have such horrific consequences. Now, I, so, I'm, I'm pretty certain that that is correct. So I, I've not seen, if, if it is, I've not seen or heard other people put forward that argument. You've never heard someone talk about subconcussive impacts into the chest? Yeah. I've, no, I've no heard one's of, made a I've definitive of, statement saying yes. that is the reason, that I've, is the reason why. It is definitely the, 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 so the, the I, it's multifactorial, by, by the way. But I think when you look at this, it's quite clear that it is the repeat hits over and over again, whether there's head, direct head contact or not, which is causing uh, the majority of you know, TBIs, definitely. So, I, yeah, I'm not... I, I, where Where is that? Have you got something to point to that I can read or watch or listen to? Well, so I mean, that would, that would, yeah, I mean, look, if, that, you, if you just look at the evidence, it's 0.09G, right? 0.09G to get what they call a minor TBI, right? So what's a TBI? A traumatic brain injury. And that would be like the breaking of one new, like of a neuron, right? And they can measure this. So, like, if you jump off off um, off a table, you know, you're talking about something like ten, like ten G. That's enough to give you a TBI. If you get hit by a rugby player, you're talking about sixty G. Like, ten G jumping off a table. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So a hundred, so a hundred kilo guy going for a ten K run is getting probably seven thousand box jumps. TBIs. Yeah, all Do, of the, doing fifty box jumps. Yeah, it, it's all of these weird things. Now, obviously, it's all. It's all it's all scalable, but this comes from like research around special forces, um, uh, mi- uh, military guys, like firing machine guns over and o- uh, over and over again. Firing machine guns, I can believe. Yeah, jumping off a table fifty times, oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, find hard I'm to believe. One hundred percent, not saying jumping off tables yeah. or the very very minor team, because literally that, that happens all all of the time. It gives you an idea of the of what minor force that you need to suffer what they call a minor TBI, that's the absolute minimum, and then going up. You know, and, and, um, so I think we're going too deep into yeah, 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 into yeah, this. But, but, well, that's why it's, un, it's, un, it's undeniable that the subconcussive hits are in rugby are probably one of the, are probably the main driver. It's undeniable they're probably okay. The, the, okay, no, no, they are the main driver because okay. it can't be headshots. If, if, because if we have like what, how how many headshots did did, did we have in um, in this game? Uh, I don't no. know. One. I don't know what one. one there's there's one yellow card. One, basically one. Uh, this is a great this is a great email <laughs> to pull us back to the rugby. Actually, yes. Ollie Watson, contact Chasers at gmail dot com. He says, "Love the pod, blah." I'm sending this email after seeing the Awini Antonio tackle and the quote disgraceful decision, according to Twitter, from Wayne Barnes not to give a red card. Hardly a revelation, but it seems like if you read Twitter, every decision is 100 percent correct or 100 percent incorrect. I liked Phil's way of looking at decisions earlier in the season when he said, rather than, quote, is the decision correct or incorrect, people should ask, can you see why the ref made that decision? Isn't that my standard? Me, is it understandable? <laughs> That's my fucking standard. I actually think it was Phil or maybe just, me. Just, but anyway, no, no, we, just, we all just, agree. Just, just delete his email. Just delete <laughs> okay, it. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it. Move on. I'm okay, not interested and, in what his guys to say. So Ollie says, no, for, me, for me, the Antonio tackle is probably 60-40 towards a red card. But can I see why Wayne Barnes only gave yellow? Absolutely. Don't there, care. Are, yes. quite, there are literally hundreds of factors that determine the, determine the result of a game, and refereeing decisions is just one of them. 
Well done, Ollie. LT, LTBP, Ollie. <laughs> well done, Ollie. Well said, profound. Ollie. Well Absolutely said. profound. Move so I, I can remember, actually, it was the um, it was the Harlequins Exeter game with a late try. Was it Quinn scored late on? That was the the uh, the game where I was making that point. So yes, I do remember it. Um, here's here's quite a funny email as well, which which will kick us on to another game. Sam Griffiths says, um, "I've now worked out what Wales did wrong." It's the same as what England did wrong. Not enough South Africans. Mm. <laughs> How can the wealthiest union in the world not get 15 South Africans together to win the Six Nations? And not only that, the wealthiest union from a country with a history of colonisation. Can't be that hard, can it? <laughs> where, where do you want to go next? Wales. Yeah, chronological. Uh, so- let's, go to, let's go to this team stacked with Saffers then. Well done, Scotland. Well, I mean, I, to be honest, I, when I was watching this, I was taking my notes diligently as a good podcast, podcast it should be. And when I looked at what I'd written, I'd written nothing about Scotland. Oh, really? Nothing about Scotland. Because I guess you're a, you're a Welshman, even though you're a Wales-hating Welshman right now. Well, no, it's just Wales are so inept. So I'm looking at Scotland and they are a pretty competent, slick machine. And because they're competent and slick... There's not really that much to say. They clear their rucks nicely. They run nice moves. Um, you know, they execute their execute their lineouts. You don't really get much <laughs> mileage out out of that. They do everything pretty well. Um, they've also got players in their team, which Wales think they have. It must be heartbreaking <laughs> for George North to look up and look at someone like Van der Merwe. It reminds me. Do you remember when David Cameron apparently uh, really burned, quote unquote? David, um, Tony Blair with the you were the future once quote like, <laughs> I, I think when George North looks at Van der Merwe he just sees him, he sees what he, what he should have been yes uh, and that must be quite a difficult thing for him because he's definitely not that anymore he's not that anymore I'm not sure so George North was amazing when he was younger yes he was an absolute phenom but I'm not sure he was quite what Van der Merwe is now I agree I, I think he is next level I think there's very few very few players um, who were in their prime were as good as Van der Merwe. Maybe Julian Surveyor. Maybe Oof, I don't even L- think him. Lomu was, but it was a, a relative. It, it was a relative thing that was a big R- advantage. Rocker Thoko for a couple of years. Yeah, even Rocker Thoko was. Uh, he was different sort of player. I think. He was a different sort. He was he was yeah, an incredible fair. player, but he was a different yeah, Julian, sort. Julian Surveyor for a couple of years. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, Julian Surveyor is probably the only one. Um, PS, PSBs, maybe, if you'd have had a long long stint on the wing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. But he, he's a different level. Yeah, so, I mean, it's hard to point out what Wales do well. That's what I would say. So let's start with their attack. Uh, I think it's slow, it's ponderous, it's so shapey. So what I mean by shapey is, like, it is looking... It, you look at them, and it looks like what... A level seven team doing training. You know, it's oh, a pod of three. Watch out, one guy out the back. I mean, I mean, I know everyone's doing this, but they do it with such little charisma and style and deception that it's just so easy to read. It's. I agree with that. It's. It's not that much different to what other teams are doing, but it's. It's a lot more wooden. Yeah. And telegraphed than other teams are doing. I, I'll give you a, a good example um, from the England game, which obviously we'll go into later. The Chesham try. Where Genge now it's it's slightly different, but Genge looks like he's going to pick up and go, 
picks up and goes, and it's just a tiny little pop. Simplest mm. thing in the world. But it wasn't telegraphed. It was it was deceptive, hence why it created a try. There was almost no deception to when whales are doing it. Yeah. They've got no guile. Yes. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when they... So, Scotland attacked, and they were quite effective. I think it came away with three points or some such thing. Then Wales attacked, and the, the difference in how those two units operated was mm. so profound. Uh, Jack Morgan, uh, I don't know if you remember, he got stripped by, I think, Pierre Schumann? Mm-hmm. Is it Pierre Schumann? Yep. Am I that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Schumann. Uh, Schumann, or however you yeah, say right? yeah. That was purely a process of Wales not getting over the gain line, slowing it down. Morgan's got to take the ball basically stationary and then he gets stripped this is what happens when you go through multiple phases of no productivity mm-hmm. uh, and, well, it, and it's also what happens when you when the objective is to play for enough phases that you eventually get the terito- territory as I said England and Wales look a to- and it's subtle as you say it's not a huge difference but it, it's almost like the, the what, what your intent is Wales are trying to make a few yards and then a few more yards, and then a few more yards. They're not trying to. But, oh, yeah. there's the, there's the there's the space. We'll have it, which is what Scotland and what Ireland are doing. Well, it's not a setup for something else, is it? So, like they talk about, say, like a sport like jujitsu, you you might try and do one thing, not because you want to do that one thing, but so they defend that one thing, and then and you do another. You know, it's a bit of like um, a subtlety involved there. Ireland will be doing things to affect something else. So, you know, they will go through multiple carries, but they'll go through multiple carries because they want to get into field position to kick or something. You know, there'll be something oh, yeah. no, else I, in I, it. Ireland were doing their shape to get De Mortier up into the line, and then as soon as he was, yes. they were kicking over the there you go. behind him. There you go. So they're, they're, they're exactly. doing something to manipulate things. Wales, I just can't see what the game plan is here. I don't see how they fix what they've got. It's dreadful. Well, and they've, they've already lurched. So if you just look at the their pack or certainly the kind of back five of their pack in the last two weeks, they've gone from the oldest pack since South Africa lost in Brighton to Japan mm-hmm. to the youngest pack that's ever taken the field. Like they've just lurched from, yeah. well, we'll get the the golden oldies because we trust them. They've done it before. Oh no, they were terrible. Let's get all the kids in. As Cocker, as Cocker always said, win everything with kids. you'll win everything with kids, get the kids well, in and they've been hammered what? again. I think I think this week's selection, in some in a lot of respects, was vindicated because Chris Chunzer I thought was excellent. He, he was da- excellent. Daffith, yeah, Daffith Jenkins looked good. Uh, Jack Morgan looked decent. Um, Joe Hawkins looked looked okay. Actually, a lot of the young guys were were the were the better players for Wales. And well, I mean, I love Dan Bigger, but he had a shocker. Yeah. So I know what you're saying because they did have instances of the young players doing good things well individually those players like Chunza, Chris Chunza had a good game he didn't do anything individually wrong that, yeah well like, it's, he had a line which is a little bit errant but maybe well, it was more you, you, yeah, you, you pick, cares, you pick right? one you're putting loads yeah. of pressure on Scotland's line out yeah so yeah, yeah. You, you pick little bits but do they make the team would be the question yeah this, but the team isn't really functional so like you'll see Jenkins say uh, clear a rock or make a big carry but it's kind of largely irrelevant because, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good players that can make an individual impact like that. But if the team's not functioning, it just doesn't really matter. Mm. It just doesn't matter. You know, it's, uh, you know, the commentary team at the end was saying, oh, look at the you know, average age of the Welsh um, driving mall as they were you know, going, uh, as they were heading towards the line. 
It's like, you've completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point. At the moment, they're terrible. Mm. I think they could make big strides, but it wouldn't be hard to make big strides from this idea. <laughs> from being I, I I'll tell you what they should do. If they, if they want to kind of um, sort of freshen things up a little bit and push on, there's a, there's, a, there's a very promising coach that people rave about, Wayne Pivak. Give him oh, a go. Oh, yes. Yeah, go on. <laughs> could you imagine the, the flip-flop, the, the double U-turn Wow! before a World Cup? The what you, honestly, what do you think Gatland is thinking now? Do you think he's... Uh, I mean, he'll like the cash. He loves the cash. Mm. He's got himself a nice big deal and he's the king of Welsh rugby now. Do you think... He, do, you, do you reckon there's any regret? So it's, like going back to, it's like going back to an ex that where, the, where it was all done. Yeah. I do wonder. I do wonder. Because... The, it does seem right now. It seems like the only way is a continued spiral of downwards and despair for this for this Welsh team. Now that's obviously not the case, and I'm sure Gatland will be able to turn it around. But it's not going to be an easy fix. It's going to be a long no. term. But then he, he signed oh, up for. Well, he signed, I hope it's a long term fix. They play England in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, on, we've, we've got to be able to beat this Welsh. If we can't beat this Welsh team playing like they are, we we are done for. Should I try and make the argument for why Wales aren't as bad as maybe they... Well, they definitely are. They are. They, my, in, uh, after the Island game, my argument for them not being as bad as it looked like on paper was they got into the right position many times and weren't clinical enough. You could say that they got into it, I think, probably fewer times in this game. Yeah, I mean, um, if they were good, when the momentum shifted in their favour for the last 10 minutes of the second half, and they, they could have walked away with a try. So, Rio Dyer basically butchering that, that effort. He has to finish those. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's You're your, an international winger. Yeah, exactly. And now, you, the job of an international winger has always been to finish tries. We all know this. And you can make the argument to say, okay, there's less importance on that now. It's more about kick chase and being busy and you know, your overall contribution. But it's still bloody vital. It, you know, you've got one chance to get over the line. Well, if, if it's a, an international hooker, and he does everything. He's running in tries, and he's <laughs> yeah. putting big hits in, and doing all that. But he's missing his arrows. What would you? Mm. What would you say? Uh, kill him. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be an international hooker for very long. Throw him in a wood chipper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make him into glue. Um, I now I do think I do think um, you did downplay Scotland a little bit too much. Uh, no, I've not yeah. spoke. Not really spoke about them yet. You said they were competent and did a few nice things. Hit their lineouts. Hit their scrums. They were, yeah, they were good. They, they were really they, good. Yeah. I mean, Finn Russell makes them tick so nicely. He when he's playing like this, yeah. God, he he looks so well, so good. He wasn't. He wasn't great in the first half. He was outrageously good in the second <laughs> half. My goodness me, he is something else when he when he's on. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that, it's, that's it's, it's special. It's a fair point. Other than the. Um, Hugh, Hugh Jones offload was the second half. Second yeah, half, sorry. Um, but other than the the Hugh Jones line break in the first half, which was a bit of deception, bit of delay on the pass, and a beautiful line break from a uh, line from Hugh Jones. Yeah, I think it's probably fair. More even contest in the first half, but second half it was all Scotland because they're not doing uh, much different from Wales in terms of their shape. But then, yes, they are. Okay, please continue. Well, it's, it's, it's what we said before. They are um, Wales. You get the feeling. What I said earlier is where there is space on the field, Scotland will just go, even if they're in their own twenty-two. Uh, wherever on the field they are, if there is if there is a hole, 
they'll just go for it. And that's what I find so refreshing about watching them. So if, it, as I say, it seems like Wales are going, let's, we've got our shape. Let's just run through, hit contact, try and do another phase. Scotland aren't bothered about phases. Yeah, I mean, they will. They will keep the ball, but they're, they're generally not bothered. When there's a crossfield kick on, they'll go. When there's a, a when there's a when there's a miss pass back twenty meters to get round the edge, they'll do it. And I, I, that that's what's making them and Ireland look so different to Wales and England. Yeah. So as I said before, their their shape is exactly the same as Wales, but they you know they are they they are they are finessing it. So you know, you look at the was it a delay pass to um, was it. Oh, Huge, uh, to Pilotu to Hugh Jones. Yeah, like you know, Wales could do that. Wales could do that, but they just don't have the personnel or the nous to get it done. You know, it, it's it's just playing you know, different options, and uh, it's just. Well, can we talk so about? Can we talk about how good Scotland were? Because we we've talked about Wales for ages, and Phil was trying to like talk about how amazing Scotland are. Here's a question: How many how many players do you think Duan Van der Merwe has beaten in the first two rounds? Oh, he's Did got second. Game. First game was huge. First game was well, the the first like his two tries probably were seven or eight between them. And his, just his two tries in the first game, and in the second, he was a bit quieter. He beat um, the crossfield kick that set up the Kinghorn try. He went through Liam Williams. He had a few other nice runs, but nothing. Nothing as headline grabbing in that second game as the first one, so maybe I'd say eight, uh, eight in the first and five in the second. Maybe yeah. to 13, 13, 14. He's currently beaten in two rounds twenty defenders, <laughs> and he he holds the Six Nation tournament record uh, over five games, and that's thirty one. So wow! Why don't so South Africa got... want this guy? Because <laughs> he can still switch. He, he well, he'd have to have three down years before he switched. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, tricky. It is tricky. And it, they have got a little bit of talent on the wings. Yeah, they have. But he, it's he feels very South African though the way he plays. It's an amazing player to have let go. He's just so. Kyle so Stain seems like a pretty good player to let go. Yeah, he's handy. He's very handy as well. Finishes yeah, I do. Nicely. I do actually just want to point out because I can imagine there'll be some um, Scotland fans that will be frustrated when you do have a lot. That there are a lot of South Africans in the side. In the case of many of them, and probably most of them, they actually are. Like Hugh Jones has a Scottish mum, mother. I think. I think Carl Stain is exactly the same. Two Plotu. Um, also, Palotu also mother is, or, or, yeah, he's definitely got. So, so I just say that their their scouting network is brilliant at yeah. what they do. I tell you who I did like for Scotland is George Turner. Yes, oh, he's an absolute warrior. Yeah, mm. yeah, I, yeah, it's another example of like what Wales had and what Scotland. Uh, sorry, what Wales had back in the day and what Scotland have. Mm-hmm. So you, know, that was a performance that you, was reminiscent of Ken Owens, what ten years ago. Uh, yeah. It was just, it, I thought it was just brilliant, bullish, aggressive, just everything you want from your hooker. Mm. And um, Ferguson as well. The yeah, he was great. Good. He was still only 24 as well. He was good, really, really good player. Um, and it, it's extra good that you can leave out someone like Mag- Magnus Bradbury, who is an excellent number eight. I was thinking about him. How do they not need him? I, I always get, for some reason, I always get confused. Richie. I get confused between what was it, Bradbury and Ferguson. I get confused with 
No, is Bradbury? I think it's Bradbury. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, who was the guy who turned Wales over after that ridiculously poor attack? Let me see. It was Richie. Uh, Jamie Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie. That's Jamie Ritchie. Yeah. Ja- all right. Jamie Ritchie was getting a big um, talking up pre-match, and he's he's one of those players who I was trying to liken him to a, an English player, and I, I think this I think this is a compliment. Um, some people might not take it, but I think he's like a Scottish version of Chris Robshaw. He's a captain. He's quietly. Very, very competent, very good all round. Does a bit of everything without being like truly outstanding in any area. Does he like illegal drinking? <laughs> Maybe. May- I, I would have no comment on that. Um, not in Nicholas Scotland. That surely no one is illegal drinking. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. In Nicholas Paradise. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty good, pretty fair comparison. Mm. And obviously, he's he's captain. And, and captaining um, with some uh, former captains and big personalities in that squad as well, so I, I think he's I think he's a great player. I do wonder how Scotland. Get, I mean, Scotland are basically the last hope, aren't they, to beat to beat France? Uh, sorry, to beat Ireland. Um, <laughs> they are. They don't see England doing it. I think England have got no chance in Dublin. Not a chance. I don't Scotland. Hmm. Scotland could do. Now, it would be an incredibly Scottish thing. So Scotland, the next game, they go away to Paris. I could see them beating France. Uh, genuinely. They, they won in Paris last time they went. They did. They did a couple of years ago, um, obviously, because these games happen every two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's reverse fiction. Thanks. <laughs> um, did it, I, I can see them beating France. I can't really see anyone beating Ireland. Uh, I don't know. The Irish all... Notoriously fickle. It's just this incarnation of the Ireland team. Now, put them in the World Cup, it's a different story. They'll implode in the quarters. But in the Six Nations, I really, really struggle to see past an Ireland Grand Slam right now. Interesting. They've got to play... Yeah, I, I, the weight of evidence does suggest it is Ireland's to lose. They go to Rome. They're definitely winning in Rome. They then travel to Edinburgh... That's that's the banana skin, and then they host... It has to be Scotland, then. It does. They host England for the for the Grand Slam if they beat Scotland. So Scotland, it's all on Scotland's shoulders. Um, and it's currently, they're both 10 points. They've both got two bonus point wins, haven't they, in the league? Yes. So it could be... Now, did you think anything about Gregor Townsend's non-celebration <laughs> when Finn Russell offloaded the ball? So, I like I always like coaches not celebrating because uh, I like it's it's just a um, it's like the they've already seen it's going to happen because this is what they've drilled their players for. Therefore, it's like clapping someone for filling in their tax return correctly or <laughs> like putting the book, library book back on the shelf. It's just this is what I've trained them to do. Therefore, I don't need to celebrate because they've just filled their function. Yes. I love that, and uh, it's it's a boring answer, JB, because I know you love the, uh, the the drama and the tabloid. But the the, um, the TV cameras and the journalists are desperate to try and create this story. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And so people is will so obvious will, will fit people will fit the uh how you, fit, fit the evidence to the predetermined what do you mean fit story. the evidence no 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 they'd fit the non-evidence to the predetermined story but the evidence stacks up nicely thank you very much <laughs> it is so obvious that he hates finn russell it is so obvious all oh, right you just uploaded it like make finn russell making it all about himself rather than gregor's glorious coaching it must wind him up no end i no end i love this narrative as well i think it's it, true isn't I think it? it i think it's so ridiculous but i could i could totally believe it i can that the gregor is just he he wants all the attention to be on him for the way that he has set up this team if only there were so many players just were were less talented and could just follow his damn instructions exactly and, and they do what in his said. way win my way not your way <laughs> not with all your precocious outrageous talent finn and duan I think it's probably a, u- a useful point to just remind uh, some people who may have quite short memories that Gregor Townsend was very recently the someone that many Scotland fans were desperate to get rid of. And the same is true only a couple of years ago about Andy Farrell with Ireland. Mm. Just remember how fickle rugby fans can be. Yeah, but the difference being, I'm sure Townsend has fallen out with Finn before. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm I, sure 100%. he does not. Oh, yeah, love yeah. Hulk. No, this this is not. It's not a comment on the on the Finn Russell thing. That I I, I mean, it's just a fun little sideshow. But uh, no, I just mean in general, he he's doing a great job, and Andy Farrell's doing an incredible job. I wonder what both, Finn Russell would say about both, that. <laughs> wow. So yeah, both so, both of those head coaches were were many many fans were saying should be should be canned. So I I am confident in saying this now. In fact, I can definitely say it because the player in question has now moved. To a, a different nation, so I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> I know who you're going to mention. Yeah. When Scotland beat England, not beat, they drew with England in Twickenham in that all-time classic. Yeah, the 38 all was it? Yeah, half-time. Finn Russell said, "No, nah, we are doing it my way. Uh, <laughs> we're not interested in anything you've got to say. We've tried your stupid plan. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna do, do it my way." And it was electric. Like it's just, I wonder what Finn Russell would make of, you know, your impassioned defence of Gregor Townsend, because yeah, you know, I bet it'd be, I bet it'd be like, yeah, okay, uh, he's done some things, but it's me, it's throwing throwing the offload, it's me making the kicks, it's me, me pulling yeah, the strings, the cross field, yeah, it's a fascinating dynamic when you have got such a powerful, um, influential and talented player as Finn Russell. He's if so I can be sentimental as far as Scotland goes as well, isn't it? Isn't it lovely that you've got the the Doddy memory still very fresh and the mm. commemoration still happening and Scotland doing really well? It's just nice touch. Mm. It is, and, and 
building nicely for the World Cup, Scotland. They are. They are. They look good. And, they need, and, as I say, they need to. They're in a pool with Ireland and South Africa. <laughs> Someone is going home unhappy in that. Just a quick reflection on the SRU at the moment. Like Again, I'm not really a massive fan of many of the unions. You have to hand, hand it to the IRFU. They've done a marvellous job um, of creating the island, uh, the island scene, which they have now, foster, um, sorry, um, fostering that sort of culture and that sort of, not culture, but the environment where Leinster are awesome. You know, they've, they've sort of spent their money wisely. They've, they've done a good job. Mm. The SRU are sort of like a little bit nondescript in, in, in this regard. You know, they're not, they're not as strict as Ireland. Um, they're certainly not as strict as the WYU. They seem to be very pragmatic with how they go go, go about their business. Mm. They seem to have got the best out of being able to control their two regions or teams. But meanwhile, there's not really that much restraint on their players going overseas. I mean, they're quite ha- overseas, over the border. Mm. They're quite happy to see big names go and pick up big cash elsewhere, and it suits them. Yes, it, it does, and it works for them. Um, it's certainly working for them at the moment. Um, because it allows them. It's a point that you've made in the past, JB, very, very well. If if um, Stuart Hogg goes south to Exeter Chiefs or wherever he he may end up next, it allows you to bring other guys through. Yeah. And one of them might turn out to be a um, Blair Kinghorn so, or a Darcy Graham. Well, and I mean, it's not exactly what these things are meant to do, I, I guess. But it also frees you up to fill up your teams with people that you want to qualify to be Scottish. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's and that's another reason. <laughs> I mean, and I don't I don't say that like you know in a, yeah. You don't say it cynically. Cynically, no. It's like know, it's, it's a good it's plan. You you've got to explain like, particularly with a if you've got limited resources, like Scotland's player pool at every level is a fraction, like from Every age grade, just playing the game to senior men's to the pro teams, is a fraction of um, the numbers of the big nations. Yeah, which is why they are scouring the Premiership. They are, to yeah. find every single person with any bit of Scottish heritage. So you've got all of these different strands of the SRU strategy, and it's it's, it's pretty successful. Mm. It it is at the moment, and it's it's then how much of this is entirely because they've got half a dozen generational talents mm-hmm. and it will not replicate next time so, when Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg and Duan and name name the other generational talents retire. I'm going to say something really ridiculous. I tend to think that the generational talent is the precursor to a more sustainable future because I have seen generational talents um, in a few sports and they're, oh, we'll, well, you know, we'll never win after, after the golden generation go and they're always wrong. So... Ireland's golden generation look like amateurs now. <laughs> I mean, they, they do, don't they? Like uh, 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 Henderson, O'Driscoll, O'Connell. You know, I mean, they were good, but they were not a patch on a patch on these boys. They said, well, apart from O'Driscoll, is I think he's one of the all-time best players. Although Ringrose is playing some fine, fine. I mean, rugby, you know, just. But- Let's just swap them. Let's see how Ringrose has got on in O'Driscoll's era. I bet it'd be pretty good. Well, he would. He would have been fairly handy. Well, this is a perfect way to jump to uh, England because um, one thing that needs to happen is, I mean, purely selfishly, England need to win the World Cup uh, later this year. Won't do Wales, but they need to. But uh, the reason they do is because you need to have a reason 
to just say, Sir Clive, thanks for everything. Oh. Jog on, sunshine. Please. Well, you didn't like my, uh, uh, Maggie's comment that the defence was better because they conceded less points today. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I never thought of it in those terms, but now you mention it, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, I, I won't have a word said uh, bad about ITV coverage generally, though, because I tell you what you do not get on the BBC. You do not get an advert for a movie called Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Mates, did you see that was uh, that was the highlight of the whole afternoon today? Did you see the other advert on the ITV um, halftime show? It does tell me that maybe we are following a dying sport. It was for male urine incontinence nappies, effectively. I'm like, is this where the key demographic is? <laughs> Maybe it is a dying sport. Well, just here's one other observation that, that I will make about the ITV coverage. You have world number one playing world number two on Saturday. Mm. The biggest game since the Rugby World Cup final. Mm-hmm. And ITV had Brian O'Driscoll in an industrial park in Ealing. Doing what? Being a pundit. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes. So it was it was O'Driscoll. It was George Gregan as well, and it yes. was uh, my boy um, Rory Best um, with a three, which I thought was weird because you had obviously uh, Bonjamin Kayser in comms, yeah. but you didn't have a Frenchman in studio. Do you know I really so loved I, it when I, Christoph? I, no, it's a Christoph Dominici. No, it wasn't. Who was the? Who the hell was the? A commentator, the French guy, he used to do all the BBC stuff. He used to play at Saracens, not oh Thomas Thomas Castagnier. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess my point being, it's like I totally understand you've got to cut your cloth, and actually, you you, you don't if you don't need to um, spend the cash, don't bother. This was the biggest game of rugby since the Rugby World Cup final, and the biggest game that there will be until the Rugby World Cup final, short of a Grand Slam decider, maybe in a couple of weeks or whatever. But, um, and you do not have Brian O'Driscoll, George Gregan, Rory Best there, there in there in the Aviva Stadium, uh, which I just, yeah. found, I just found a bit of a disappointment. And it, 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 you sparked that thought, JB, because you said about the incontinence advert, <laughs> giving you an idea of where... Maybe there's two hours of travel now. <laughs> um, just, just on the... On Gregan the... shouldn't be doing the comms for this, by the way. Yeah. Why? He, and he's was, was what do you know about Ireland versus France? Who, How many, who'd you say? Gregan. Yeah. Well, what, what do you know about Ireland versus France? When, when's he ever played in Six Nations? Yeah. I. And it's not like he's this amazing outspoken pundit as well. No. Like he's if he was really interesting offering an interesting perspective, I could kind of get it. But I wanted with two Irishmen, you wanted a Frenchman yeah. who, who's been there and done it, sat in between them. I, I would get it if they drafted in Ben Darwin. Or even you know, if re- it, even even just getting Sebastian Chabot and every answer he's he he, he can he insists on speaking in French and will not speak in English. <laughs> Perfect. Now, j- just on the um, we're talking about um, Tim's BT Sport colleagues being located um, somewhere for the Island game. Um, did you see one of your colleagues in the crowd, Tim, when the James Lowe try was given? When Wayne's Barnes blew his whistle, they had a shot to the crowd. And there was one of your Doyle. It I was, was Doyle. Say, yeah, he's a huge. Uh, he was there fan. celebrating in the with the with the proletariat. 
Yeah, what's happened there, Tim? Because you would never do that, Tim. You'd be in corporate, no doubt. Uh, obvs. Yeah, 100%. That, well, that, there you go. I, I, I imagine because it was, I know that, um, I, I know that some of the camera operators and uh, um, uh, the director, I think, is, is someone, I think, that whole team were people that work on the BT Sports. I wouldn't mind betting if someone went, yeah, get, 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 get a shot of Doyler. Get, get a shot of Doyler. 100%. Also, you've got to remember, everyone around him is actually undercover security for him. <laughs> He's not really a man of the people. <laughs> He's got a sec- section of the stadium yeah. hoarded off. Don't look no- at him! Don't look at him! Look at the floor when he walks past you! With a load of security and um, extras who've all been screened to make sure they're allowed to be around him. Exactly, yeah. Don't don't let him, don't let him pull up... Pull- Pull that one. <laughs> but I, I will say, like, the, the BBC coverage, John Barkley, fantastic. Sam Warburton, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And, then, and then Martin Johnson, it's time, Martin. Yeah, another it's World time. We need another World Cup to be won by England to freshen things up. Yeah, exactly. Although, John, like, I do always like Johnny Wilkinson, I've got to say. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, fine. I mean, to be honest, I don't, I, I, it's more the in-game comms if it's going to bug me, it'll be that. Because I don't really watch the half-time analysis. I don't watch the pre-game. Mm. usually watch it on record. Um, if I'm drinking beforehand, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. If I'm drinking in the half-time, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't bother me as much as the in-game oh, stuff. It's the in-game I, I'm stuff. Wa- I'm now watching all half-times. Now that ITV have upped their game and cocaine bear adverts are on at half-time, that's it, I'm in. Mm. Not the incontinence adverts, no? <laughs> no? Not so much. Not so much. Cocaine bear is where I'm at. So England, so so Italy, yeah, or, or Italy, yes. I'm really liking how Italy play rugby. They're they're a good really? team. Really, you thought you thought that after today, yeah, or the second half, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it's not always okay. the same, and they make some wild decisions, which I love. I just love the stupidity of some of the stuff that they do. But when they get it together, they can legitimately hurt really good teams. And England, I think, are looking like a pretty well-rounded team. So I I do like Italy. You're right. Tim, first half Italy did, well, nothing. Um, they were garbage. Sec- second half, they got some lovely phases. They got several patches where they got over a dozen phases that culminated in the the two tries. And they, I think they can hurt anyone. Now, th- this game wasn't the best for two reasons. One, dollars was a bit pedantic and pernickety. Um more in England's favour overall, so I won't complain too much. But I thought England, uh, I thought Italy, there were some harsh penalties given against them at times. But the other, the other reason was totally within England's control, uh, and seemed to be a preset game plan for a specific reason. Was almost every time they got attacking ball in anywhere in Italy's half, they just put a grubber kick through. Yeah. Like almost uh, you, every time. You know, I, I, I would interrupt to say there's one other thing you said mm. England had in their control that would have made the whole spectacle better. Um, you didn't need a Haskell halftime DJ set, but on the kicking, you yes, actually you did. spot on. <laughs> well, the, the kicking. So when it, they started off, first one, I think Faz puts it through. I'm like, oh, it's a bit of a waste, but okay, let's let's. Um, it's early on. Let's play play territory, and then it just kept on happening, and it kept on happening all game to the point where. Ben Earl, one of the best broken field runners um, in the second half when Italy are tiring, gets turnover ball 10 metres inside the Italy half. And this is like, right, it's on. 
Benner, you want Ben Earl running a, a tired defence with, bro- with with turnover ball, immediate grubber kick through. It was a clear, clear tactic. Um, and my thoughts around it were, what was the worst thing that Italy did last weekend? They did some great stuff last weekend, but what was the worst thing? Oh, um, I can't say this. Uh, stupid tactical kicking. Well, it was it was exiting. Ex- exiting yeah. their, yeah, yeah, their yeah, 22. Yeah. And so England just made Italy exit the 22 as many times as they possibly could, which led to poor exits from Italy, which led to um, pushover or pick-and-go tries, with the one exception of the Arundel try, which was a bit of magic from Mitchell. So it, it just Phil, seemed like a clear do, tactic. Do you know what you've done, Phil? You have just perfectly captured. If, if anyone didn't know, really know how Steve Borthwick is as a coach, Forget about the specific tactics. Forget about the specific... What you've just described, that is Steve Borthwick. He is data-driven, numbers-driven, probabilities, statistics, to the point where uh, Leicester Tigers... I think it even got down to the point where it's like, if we kick the ball... Forget about what type of kick it is. If we kick the ball this many times a game, it increases our probability of winning by this much. Mm. Hmm. Yes. And you're absolutely right. And the fact that because Owen Farrell is getting a load of shit from people on the internet for he's kicking the ball away, kicking the ball away, kicking the ball away. He stayed on for what six, what seventy minutes. He was mm. in the fly half position. If he'd have not been doing exactly what Steve Borthwick wanted him to do, he'd have had the shepherd's crook mm. much much sooner in the game. It was clearly what they wanted them to do. England won comfortably, so I don't have a problem with it. Well, they got... The, the, the only thing that they could have accepted from this game is a five-point win. They got a five-point win. Like that's Borthwick will be that... Like It will be that. Five-point win, achieved. Right, move on. And they, they, he had a, a game plan that allowed them to do that. And and was, was just about as low risk as it could possibly be. Uh, do you know, it's not going to win them. It's not going to win them. Win them any fans, but who who, who gives a who, who cares? Well, Their uh, objective is to and, win games. And yeah, winning games will win you fans. If you win a World Cup, you will you will win fans regardless of how you play. Now, I'm not saying England are going to win a World Cup, but just win just win the next game. Just just go out and win the next game and win the one after that and do it however you possibly can or need to. So. Jack Willis. Let's talk mm. about him a second. Yes. He's always been a guy for me who I know is really good. Yes. I know he's one of the best players in the Premiership when he played there. I have no doubt he'll absolutely thrive in France. But for international colours, it's very much a coin flip because seven shirt is Tom Curry's and he's also pretty good. He's so very you've got good. these two lads who are just superb. I think today, um, he'll need to back it up with another performance the week after next. But if you can play with that sort of impact and influence on a game... He has to be one of the cornerstones of the England back row. And I can see a Willis-Curry combo. Yeah. yeah, Be it one of them wearing the eight shirt or six and seven. But Well, they're quite hefty boys, aren't they? They're bo- they're b- you're not giving much up in terms of size. So they're quite hefty boys. Are they big enough to justify Ben Earl starting at eight? Or Sam Simmons. Yeah, and it also means Courtney's is not going to be coming in at six, but I think I can live with that. I, I can live with it if um, if Chesham plays the way he's playing. Chesham's going to be a future England great, I am convinced. And if Courtney gets fit, he could even put some pressure on Marrow. Yeah. Who, who is 
he's still very very good but he's not he's not at his best he's not playing like he's at his best I don't think it was a bit more like it that first quarter of an hour he was a, a menace yeah yeah but yeah it's a good shout Jack Willis he's got to back it up and that, I think this was like, obviously there was, there was talk before the game of the fixture two years ago when he blew his knee out and that was a second bad knee injury wasn't it yeah um, I've got to say, I've got to say something else as well because I love mm-hmm. Ben Earl, but um, Curry, Willis, Mercer. That's another Ooh, great one. Yeah. Mercer. So when Ireland Mercer's England, interesting, I really want um, Don Brandt to play. I think that would be my number one choice because I think that will be enough for me to know he's not good enough for the England shirt. Mm. So let's just see him against France. Let's see him against England. Let's give him. Enough rope to hang himself, and then we can move on from this <laughs> uh, from this project. I thought he was going to be, again, a bit of a coin flip. Will what he does at Quinn's translate into an England shirt? I don't think it's going to, sadly. Which is a shame, because I think he's a really great player. But it's just not... For me, it's not working. It's Now, I, I tend to agree. I do want to give him more time. Not, <laughs> not, I don't want to give him more rope to hang himself. I want to give him more time for him to get more experience for the pace of the game... Get a bit more fitness, get a bit more because he's such a unique player. Well, that's get it, isn't it? him used to the players around him and the players around him used to him and where he pops up and the lines that he pops up. Do you it's not, not think, though, a little bit that in the Premiership there will be teams because they have to leave things out and they're not as well rounded where Don Brandt is going to be phenomenally effective? Mm-hmm. And then when you come up against Ireland and France, who they have no real holes unless you just physically beat them, like mm-hmm. Ireland did to France. Where is he going to be able to manufacture his space, which he thrives on? Because there will be no space. There will be. He, he's got to find it, but he's he's got far fewer opportunities to find it. That's yeah. the problem. I just, I think he because, and the the bit that makes me believe it is is two reasons. Number one, he's such a big boy. He's he, huge. Yeah. He is huge. Um, but number two, he's such an intelligent player. Like the way the lines that he runs and the way that he manufactures space by running those lines, I think he can do it, but I think he needs time to get used to the pace and the used to the people around him. I'm I'm not ready to write him off yet. And I, I actually I, I hope he gets a bit more time. Well that's why I, I want him to play against Ireland and France. I, yeah. We'll we'll soon find out. I could I could be proven totally, totally wrong, but I just think he's so good. And if not Dombran, then who? Where would be the what where would be the downside with Earl? Size. So he's not maybe big enough, right? But let's just pretend. Let's play a thought experiment. England don't get the ball and there's no space, right? They're playing uh, with a lack of possession. I think what Earl gives you in defence is almost as good as what he gives you in attack. And I don't think Don Brandt does that. He doesn't. You're right. You you do lose something in defence with Don Brandt. Yeah. Um. So you've got uh, Earl, who is a legitimate seven uh, highest level, he can play eight, or they indeed curry, you know, whichever yeah. one fits your fancy. So, you know, defensively, they are a bit small, you know, winning collisions and whatnot, but Earl, Curry, and um, Willis. Willis, phew, that's a tasty yeah. battery. Well, C- Curry and Willis. Yeah, jackal threat is going to be. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons that France struggled against Italy, maybe a little bit against Ireland, is because they don't have anything around the, around the breakdown. Well, that's. England, however. So. Um, I, ju- I do just want to make that point actually on Jack Willis and then Tim I want to get your thoughts on the back row but I thought Willis was awesome at the breakdown I think he got I think 
The referee in this weekend of the breakdown was slightly different to the referee in last weekend of the breakdown. I don't think it was as harsh this weekend. It's like they've almost, they've not stepped fully back, but they were a little bit less pedantic around supporting your body weight and a little bit more on the def- the jackler's side with a few of the, well, was he the first man, was he the second man, did he disconnect, was he supporting his body weight? So if it's refereed like it was the previous week, you don't really need a jackler because no one's going to be doing any jackling. Mm. Unless you make a one-on-one tackle for someone with no one else around and you pop to your feet and steal the ball immediately, there will be no jackling. That is fair. But Tim, what would you... I know we, we have this debate weekly. Based on what you've seen right now, what would your dream England uh, back row be? Tom Curry's in it. Yeah. Um... So I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think it's important. Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember Jack Willis was selected to go on that 2018 South Africa tour, or or would have been. No, he was selected and then got injured, um, mm. playing for Wasps against Saracens, and that was then. He had a long road back, and then two years ago he got injured in the Italy game in the Six Nations. He, this was only his eighth cap today, and. Yeah, I, I see so much upside and a really high ceiling for him. So I'm excited to see that. Mm. I can't... Yeah, it's the balance. It's the balance. Don Brandt, I've been a massive fan of. I think that I think the more the more players I see, the more I think Eddie Jones might be right on his test match animal thing. Like Max Malins, I've, I've got him wrong. I think he is a test match Max, animal. Oh, he's um, brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. He's fantastic. I, I, this is, remains to be seen whether, Do, where, whether Alex Don Brandt is mm. I having seen Kalen Doris and Ardi Surveyor doing their thing and, and Greg Gregory Aldrit as well, they're not the biggest number eights. And so I think there is a case for for potentially Ben Earl, Sam Simmons or Zach Mercer come come the summer. I think there's a genuine argument for for those players. So I, I don't want to fall into that trap of only picking on potential probably Curry, Willis, Don Brandt for now. Let's see about Zach Mercer in the summer. Hmm. Just a quick one. Who wore 12? Lawrence. Wasn't Slade, no? No. I'm, I mean, sure, I, I'm sure it's Lawrence. So I actually, don't, I actually wore the shirt. Yeah. I actually don't think it matters too much when you play Slade and Lawrence together. Hmm. Um, I think they, they, they complement each other so nicely. Ollie Lawrence reminds me of the player... That money to Alangi used to be. Yeah, that's not a bad shot. He is. He looks. Every, you know, back to the test match animal thing. When used correctly, this kid is a game changer. I do like this combo. I do with, with Faz at Faz at ten, and it's Lawrence isn't. I don't think he's played a huge amount of twelve, but he's got all the attributes to be a twelve. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at Slade and Lawrence, I'd swap him around, but I don't really care what you do. Yeah, just have them both, and Farrell. Farrell at 10, it's just refreshing, isn't it? Because you don't have to talk about the nonsense going on. I mean, like, Lawrence just does what he needs. He just goes forward hard, skittles people. It just, everything works better now. Everything. Mm. Wasn't difficult. I do like this. I do like, I want to want to see more yeah. of this this lineup. Yes, and I, I was I was wrong on that as well. I'm wrong on Malins and wrong on Lawrence. Didn't think he couldn't do it. I just I would have preferred 
other people first, but it does his his sheer presence does create opportunities for other people. And he's not he's not a total he's not a one trick pony, Ollie Lawrence. He's got he's got a bit of an all round game. So yeah, I'm willing to see that definitely persevere. It, it creates a little bit of shape. Ollie Hassel Collins, I want to see him get given more time because he is doing his. It's a bit like Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell's getting a load of crap because he kicked the ball a lot, which was the plan. Ollie Hassel Collins is getting a load of crap because there isn't loads of opportunities for him, and he's just doing a big job of chasing mm. and chasing kicks. OHC will be um, absolutely fine. He will be. He will. He will no be. I, to- I, I totally agree. The areas, um, well, I, and I will just say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if George Ford leapfrogs Marcus Smith onto the England bench, as Phil has already mentioned before, just one to keep an eye on this year. And um, I think the, the area of concern for England, there's lots of good things that I quite liked. And the set, but Steve Balthwick is doing what Steve Balthwick did with Leicester set piece defence, get that sorted first. And we saw the power game coming through today, and all the stuff get other stuff gets built on top of that. The concern is the front row depth is nowhere near good enough. Yeah, yeah. Mako and Dan Cole, and also Jack Walker, just they're not at the standard required. I do like Jack Walker. Yeah, and um, he's, he's on an upward uh, trajectory. But I I totally agree with your point. I, I totally agree. Dan Cole is not a healthy option. No. I mean, he does a job. Do you know what? I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine, actually. Jack Walker, I think, is fine. Maka, I mean, they're not... I guess what the point is, they're not world-class, are they? So, last week against France, um, Italy started emptying their bench, and you're looking like Division 2 players. Now, Mm. obviously... Sorry, Division 2 players in France uh, on Italy's bench, right? Now, it's clearly not to that level, but your replacements matter in, 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 in international test rugby. Um... So to have a bench that is world class, it, it matters because South Africa will, uh, well, will be having one. South Africa is the best point. If you've got um, either, if you've got weakness on your bench, or you've not got a front row who can perform in the seventy ninth minute as well as they can in the the second minute, South Africa's particular type five will just take you apart. Yeah, and it, there's almost no team in the world who can live with South Africa's. First choice type five when their first choice type five is fresh. Never mind when their bigger, stronger second choice type five come off the bench when quite. you're knackered. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite something. So uh, look, England do have players to come back in as well. Um, yeah, I guess Cowan Dickey will be around for the World Cup. Cowan Dickey, Will Stewart, hopefully Marler. Marler would be an interesting one. Marler's class. I I he's would. available now and not yeah. being picked. He's not been picked for a little while. I, I would I would have Marla. Val Rapava Ruskin. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a good one. But, but Val Ruskin, it's the time to start getting him used to international rugby was about three years ago. Yeah. And no one's no one's done it. I I can't see why. Mm. He's such a good scrimmager, he's so dangerous in the loose and is um jackling, if you're gonna if the referees will allow jackling, is exceptional. Um, just some. If he was, if he was Welsh, he'd be a British and Irish lion already. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah, very well said. Um, just on Italy, um, uh, Brax uh, is constantly impressing me, uh, and still continue, still continues to do so. Yeah, Tommaso Allen is a really handy player. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, second second choice filling in for Garbisi, but he's a great player. Yeah, uh, he, he's really really impressed me. Except for they do this thing where they make loads of yards and then kick it away. 
I do not understand that. Like, why decide to be tactical now? You know, you're, <laughs> you're going great, and they kick it away. I just don't understand that. And um, Ang's Capuosa. Capuosa. Well, yeah. So he's obviously the cool thing at the moment, and he is cool. He is me. cool. Uh, the one I really enjoyed was Sebastian Negre. Uh, oh, yeah, I love him. Annihilating uh, Genge. Ellis Genge. Uh, yeah, and forcing Genge to annihilate uh, Carl Sinclair. God, that was enjoyable. That was so enjoyable to watch. I watched that three or four times. That He's was... I mean, that, if anything, Genge was reckless, but not towards Negri for his own. He put himself... He sprinted off the line and put himself in this horrible, awkward, uncomfortable... He was, like, half-kneeling, head-on-hip. It was an... Ugly. The, no- the noise it made. Oh, it was so... And Negri just, like, leans into him, shows him the hard part of his body in, like, a fully braced stance. Voila! And that's French, of course. Yeah, what's <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, the While you're talking Italy back row, just got to mention, you've been talking about Jack Willis and what a tough road back he's had. How good to see Jake Paledri on an international rugby pitch again. Remarkable. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. And they, what they, a guy. They've got some time. I like that young Canoni, the number eight, not the lock. Oh, L- Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. And Lamaro, always. Although, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And can I just balance it out? Whilst I do have reservations about the the England bench, and I'm pleased that Dan Cole's the best option we have now, but I'm just saying that yep. option is not good enough to go deep into a World Cup. The other bench elements, Ben Earl, Alex Mitchell are so... Uh, Alex Mitchell's the player I'm, I'm so excited about. And I also just want to mention uh, Henry Arundel from the perspective that... Do you remember when Sam Burgess came and <laughs> whatever Sam Burgess did, uh, it would get mentioned in commentary. Like, Sam Burgess just does a regulation clear-out of the rug. <laughs> oh, great clear-out, Sam Burgess. Henry Arundel is exactly the same. <laughs> well, when Sam Burgess shinned the ball into Oli Devoto's hands, and it, it was the greatest <laughs> shin of all time. Um, now, we just mentioned Negri. I just want to bring this up because I have seen it on Twitter. The Negri hit on Farrell, which was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. The Negri follow-up, which was a bit less brilliant, because there's there's definitely some freeze frames that you could find. Contact with I area. Well, it's just it's not a good look. Like there's a there's a yeah, forearm across that. the face, which is one thing, and he's trying to rough him up. There is like a claw at the face with his hands. Um, but what I really wanted to mention that that'll come out in the wash, and hope, hopefully it's nothing. So nothing happens. What I did really, really like was the Ollie Chesham involvement Chesum. in that interaction. Yeah. Did you see this, JB? As someone who's yes. formally, I think formally Faz rolled. had him. Faz didn't need Ollie Chesham to do that. He had him. Oh yeah, Faz was getting absolutely leveled. <laughs> Faz had him right where he wanted him, and then Ollie Chesham just kind of gently rolled him over. So Faz is on top. Is that is that guard? Um, what did he end up in? Let's have a look. So. Negri smashing people. Oh, he absolutely levels him. Nails. God, I enjoyed that. So hang on a minute. So I don't think this is all Negri. So yes, absolutely levels him. Right now, the forearm is in Farrell's face naturally. I don't think that's a (laughs) purposeful forearm. Farrell, as usual, acts atrociously, and uh, that's what happens, isn't it? But then there's the Chesham, the Chesham like... Uh, yeah, now the Chesham role is really smart. Is because it's a way to get involved without actually having to get involved. So, oh, hang on. Just, so actually, 
So Negro's in full mounts. You don't want to be in. You don't want a man in full mounts. A bigger man in full mount. Yeah, you don't want that. But I've not got the. Oh, I've not. This doesn't go always. Oh, here we go. Oh, I've not seen these uh, screenshots trying to get Negro done for eye gouging. Pathetic. <laughs> Absolutely pathetic. This, it, it was times like this that all those, uh, as the O2 inside line uh, or the uh, the England rugby Twitter account showed the other day, this is where Farrell's 60 kilogram dumbbell presses come in handy, keeping Negri off him. No, no, no. He, they... he had him. He had him all day long. So, actually, yeah, so, so gen- actually Farrell ends up in Farrell, God. Farrell did very well. Genuinely, Farrell did very well. If, well, if the pic- if there was anything in the pictures that are being shown, and I think they're just still frame pictures, give Negri the benefit of the doubt. But if there is anything in them, then Owen Farrell did really well to keep his cool. There's nothing in that. I've just watched it again. There's nothing in it. Yeah. So if uh, if Farrell had done it, you'd have been saying ban him. <laughs> yeah, but he's got a history. History. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, we know what it's like. Yeah, Farrell does. Re- I mean, look, it's Farrell. Look, Farrell's just been physically dominated, <laughs> and he doesn't like it, and that's fine. He's not meant to like it, is he? <laughs> He's not meant to like it. And Negre is, you know, it's an awkward way that the forearm falls on the head. I want Farrell to react like that because he's the bloody captain. That's how I want him to react. Anyone talking anything else is, is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Mm. But then once he reacts like that, Negre can't get off him because he's got to, you know, he's got to return the favour. Yeah. So, you know, just grow up. It's fine. Did, did, right. So is there anything else to mention on this week's Six Nations? No. So there's no. No, I, I mentioned the cocaine bear advert, didn't I? Yes, you did several times. <laughs> that's fine. No, I'm, I'm, that's all right then. Um, did either of you see any of the under twenties? No. So I watched a bit because it was Friday night. No other games on. Uh, there might have been some Premiership Rugby Cup, but I'd rather watch uh, England Italy under twenties. Italy, they they're bringing some talent through. They're mm. genuinely bringing some talent through. Um, England scored a couple of lovely tries. Uh, the the pick of the bunch for me, uh, it's, it's worth watching just for this try. The Sam Sam Harris, um, not the podcaster okay. Sam Harris, England's uh, England under twenties fullback Sam Harris, his try from about forty meters, which was just a nine pop to ten, ten pop to twelve, twelve pop to thirteen, all flat pedestrian, and then thirty so two meter pass. Yeah. 13 pops to 15 who's going hell for leather on an unders angle against the grain and scorches him from 40 metres. A really, really well-finished, well-executed, simple try. Lovely little move. So that's worth seeing. Very nice. Um, Nice. And have you seen anything of the Rugby Europe Championship 2023? No, I have not. Please enlighten me. So it's... it's, um, Little bit one sided in the pools so far because we've got two pools in okay. groups. In Group A, Georgia have hammered Germany and Netherlands. Sounds right, about right. And Spain have relatively comfortably beaten uh, Germany and Netherlands. So, oh, next week the two best teams and the two worst teams will face off. Spain host Georgia, yeah, uh, and Germany host Netherlands, Portugal, and in the. Group B, it's it's similar with Portugal and Romania have comfortably beaten Belgium and Poland twice, or Bel- Portugal have beaten Belgium and then Poland. So the kind of key matchups, the best two and the worst two in Pool B, are playing each other next weekend as well. Ah, interesting. So yeah, that that makes it quite an interesting little uh, little tournament. And then so they they actually play 
next weekend, then have a break before the semis and a break before the final. Got it. So, yeah. Worth watching. And the final thing, there are Premiership games next weekend, aren't there? Yes. So, we have Friday night, Bristol host Falcons. Falcons. Bristol. Neither team. So, I've heard on the rumour mill, Pat Lamb might not be long for this world if he he continues to lose. Oh, Pat Lamb is going to live the rest of his days on a beach. Yeah, I mean, don't worry. He's all... He'll be okay. He, he's never going to have to work ever again. Yeah. And no one will want him to either. So it's a <laughs> match made in heaven. <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, he would be literally the last coach I ever employ. <laughs> ever. Um, interesting. That will be an expensive... I mean, Steve Landon's got loads of cash, so... Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. You've got the money. Imagine having the money and then and having to put it with Pat Lamb. You'd never do that. <laughs> So, uh, give me Bristol. Um, then we've got Gloucester host Harlequins. Gloucester host Gl- Harlequins. Gloucester, give me Gloucester. Gloucester don't lose a huge number. Uh, Quins do lose quite a few. Give me Gloucester. Not only do they lose quite a few, annoyingly for them, they now lose their fly half. Both of them. Both of them, yeah. Because one of them only came because he wasn't an international. Well, yeah. He was behind the other, what's his name? Garbisi. Garbisi. Is he out for the whole Six Nations, Garbisi? Don't know. And he's doing a great job. So no, I, th- I think he's back. I think he's back for the next round potentially. Mm. I, I just one thing I've just suddenly realised. You were asking about the England back row. I feel incredibly harsh on Lewis Ludlam, who's been. I thought that as we were talking, that I completely missed this guy, and he's ace. You are both correct. Apologies, Lewis. Yeah, he he should be. His performances are worthy of at least being in the conversation. Because uh, I'm sure he listens to the podcast. I hope he hasn't turned off earlier thinking, I can't believe they didn't even mention me. And, and he's a current starter. That, yeah, that, is, yeah, yeah. that is poor form, actually. Hopefully, Lewis, you're hearing this right now because actually you've done nothing wrong whatsoever. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'm glad we corrected the record before. I, that, that, that's the sort of thing that would have bugged me till next week. That's, that is a great shout to him. We, I don't know why we all overlooked him, but just just thinking about it, in terms of balance, size, physicality, abrasiveness, all-round game, you could do a lot worse than having Ludlam, Willis and Curry all on the pitch at the same time. Uh, yeah. Genuinely, of of all of England's back row options, if you had to pick one player three times, Ludlam, 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 yeah. or Curry, 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 <laughs> or Earl, Earl. I'd go for. Yeah, it would be Ludlam or, or Curry. Or not probably. Earl. Or maybe Willis. Earl, I'm sure Earl is the same, exactly the same size as Ludlam. I oh, know he's smaller than a Ludlum. I think he's six two. I know, look, I, know, I can look at a man and weigh, and weigh him with my eyes, and I'm <laughs> telling you right now. You thought the diminutive Tom Hendrickson was bigger two. than bigger. It better is not six two. Ben is six two. He might be listed I'm at tall, six two. I'm taller than Ben I've stood next to him a bunch of times. He's not small. He's like he's 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 in ridiculously good shape, but he's not. He's six foot. He's one at 186 centimeters according to Wikipedia. Yes, so he's probably 183 then in real life. Everyone lifts them, their height up, uh, or almost every rugby player. In studs, yeah. he's, he's six foot one in studs. And he's he's listed as 102 kilos. And what's a lot of them? Six foot two and... He can't be much more than 105, surely. He's in... His listed weight might be low, but he's... I think he's, he's 111 is his listed. What? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. 
Oh, and I, I would say, six, having stood six, next three. to Lewis Ludlam, uh, I would say Lewis Ludlam is 6'3". Yeah, and he's he's listed as 6'3 as well. Interesting. Mm. It's like Tom Hendrickson all over again. Massive. <laughs> <laughs> the diminutive Ian Witten next to him. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Saturday fixtures in the Premiership. We've got Bath hosting London Irish. Bath West versus Bath East. London Irish, please. Oh, sorry, London Irish West versus <laughs> London Irish East. <laughs> yeah, presuming um, Paddy Jackson hasn't had a call up to England, <laughs> give me London Irish. London, uh, I'll go for Bath. Who are Bath London Irish East? Uh, uh, Ollie Lawrence now, who's been their best player. So yeah, give me London Irish East. Uh, and the other back row player, if Ted he ever get fit, we didn't mention. No, no, Alfie Barbary. Oh, we're never gonna. He's never gonna be fit. It's never going to happen. I can't believe we've not mentioned Ted, Ted Hill, actually. Ted, Ted, Hill, Hill Ted Hill's a great show. He's a destroyer of worlds. Love Ted Hill. <laughs> I've always liked Ted so Hill. So I'm, I'm going to go for Bath at home. Give me London Irish. Uh, and then sa- same time, three o'clock, uh, at Franklin's Gardens, JB, your boys travel to Northampton. Mm, interesting. Big um, few weeks for sale. Big few premiership rounds, that is, for sale. They've got Northampton, Saracens, Exeter. It's Johnny Hill injured. Uh, no, I no. think he was just not selected. In the in- same way that Manu Tuolagi was just not selected. Good. Give me, give, give me Sale. He might be available for them. Um, yeah, Sale are going to have Bevan Rod. They're going to they're going to have Johnny Manu. Hill. Going to have Manu. George Ford. Ben Ben Curry. George Ford. Yeah. No. Do you know what they're going to do? They're going to play George Ford and Ryan Mills. Interesting. That's what they're going to do with Sam James. Yeah. Now that is dynamite. That's a creative. That is uh, Mills. Mills is a big boy. Mm. Goes forward hard. I tell you now, that is the. If they can get him fit, I mean, it's a big if, <laughs> huge if, right? Money's going. Away you go. It frees up some cash. Ryan Mills and George Ford could be the best combination in the country. Mm. God, they're good. Get rid. Get rid of Manu. Oh, he's going. Got to he? get rid of Manu. He's going. Yeah. Has he's he been he... announced where he's gone? No, but he is going. Mm. I can't think. I don't think he can leave quick, quick enough <laughs> to free up that cash, that beautiful, delicious cash. Mm. Um, so we're all saying sale. Yep, I think sale. Yep. And then planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. On Sunday, ooh. So this is a shame because it it's... During the tour, during the Six Nations, so even if some of the subs get released or um, squad players get released, it's still not going to be full bore. Leicester Tigers host Saracens, repeat of last year's final. Saracens for me. Same. Uh, yes. Agreed. There you go. Wonderful. That's it. We're done. Right, I'm going to go and catch a train. Phil, uh, go catch your train in about four hours. Yeah. So do I just upload... Oh, sorry, I'll... Talk to you about that afterwards. Right, brilliant. Um, <laughs> well done, everybody. Good work. All right, let let, let the boys play. The end. Yeah.